Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, where nostalgia comes alive. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Bingle, and with me is our other co-host, Chris Bixby, and our host, Jake Deffenbaugh. How you doing? We are good. Hey, Matt. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Nice. And who do we have this week? This week's guest is a best-selling author and Emmy-nominated television writer. Most of you may know him for his book, Take Me Out of the Bathtub and Other Silly Dilly Songs, and he's written for such TV shows such as the hit PBS series Pink Coalitions of Peter Riffick, as well as numerous other shows and many others. Here he is, Alan Katz. Alan, welcome. How you doing? Well, thank you. How are, how are all of you? Doing doing great. Doing, doing We're great. Good. We're doing, doing good. good. We're doing good. Asking. Good. Yes. Happy to have you here. So we know who you are, but for those who don't, would you care to introduce yourself? Well, sure. As you said in the very nice intro, I've been a writer. My whole career, I've actually never had a job that didn't involve writing or creativity in some way. I've been very blessed to be able to say that. Um, almost 50 books for kids, including one that I'm going to hold up because it came out this past Tuesday called Got Your Nose. Yes. It's the story of Grandpa oh, wow. Mac who plays Got Your Nose, the age-honored um, yeah. game. And he <laughs> says, ha ha, puts it in his pocket and he leaves. And Becky says, oh, that's funny, Grandpa. And he leaves and she says, wait a minute, he did take my nose. And it turns into a romp to try to get the nose back. A lot of silly fun. Illustrated by Alex Willen, who is, for my money, one of the greatest illustrators out there right now. And uh, it's very, very cool and having a good time with it. Nice. Really nice. Yes. Yes. And you said that came out just this past Tuesday? Came out, yeah, the the second Tuesday of the year, and uh, awesome. Kids are enjoying it, and uh, I'm I'm actually when I'm doing book signings, I'm giving these away. They are pencil sharpeners that are shaped like a nose. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome! That's so really that, cool. Uh, come come see me. I'm going to be all over the country signing books. I'll sign anything really. It doesn't have to be my book, um, and you get a free nose. it's awesome and yes and yes for everyone watching or uh listening if you go to the uh, youtube version in the description you will find a link to where you can purchase his newest book Mm -hmm. yep Mm -hmm. yes yes so you see it yeah so the next question is uh can you talk about your background and how you grew up well sure i grew up in queens new york um always wanted to be a comedy writer grew up uh adoring soupy sales uh, was my role model, my idol. Proud to say I had lunch with him and uh, did a little bit of work with him years later. I was actually, we'll talk about the Rosie show, I'm sure, but I was able to get him a guest appearance on the Rosie show to promote his book. And it did me um, so much good creatively and emotionally and just as a as a person to deal, you know, when you meet your idols, well, you know what it's like to meet your idols. We're all, oh, yeah, we're right. all, of course. We're yeah. all on this call. You know, it's happening right now for the three of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're best friends and I'm your idol. See that? We've been talking for four minutes and uh, we're doing well. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, grew up in Queens um, in my book, and I'm not going to hold up every book I ever wrote, I promise, but in my book, Oops which is a poetry book, um, I reprinted my third grade report card to show kids 
And because Mrs. Balowitz, who was a wonderful teacher, any of you ever had Mrs. Balowitz? No, probably not. No. Uh, <laughs> but she wrote, there's my, there's my third grade report card, because she wrote, Alan must work toward expressing his written ideas more creatively. And oh, I wow. said, that, that's what I'm going to do, Mrs. Balowitz. You know, I visit schools all around the country talking about being a writer. And I say to kids, how many writers are there in this room? And, and everybody yells, one. And I say, that's ridiculous. We all use the same letters of the alphabet. If you have a pen and you have a brain, you're a writer. Um, and here's a Jack and the Beanstalk parody that I wrote in third grade to show kids wow. that it can be done. So I always said, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a writer. And my parents, my dad had a children's shoe store where he would buy shoes for $5 and sell them for 10 And there was no question the kids were going to need shoes because that's a given. But to say, I'm going to write something and it's going to be so good that people are going to pay me to read it. My parents would say that's never going to happen. Get a get a real job. Get you know, get a get a job that involves merchandise that people need. But I'm proud to say I've made it work. Um, you mentioned Pinkalicious. I've written. I wrote for the Rosie O'Donnell Show for five years. The Tony Danza mm -hmm. Show, the Grammy Awards, the Tony Awards, some Nickelodeon shows, as well as the books. Uh, I've done advertising. So it's creativity. It starts here. It goes to this very keyboard. And it comes out as something creative that people want to hear or read or see or do. And uh, those of us who do it for a living are very fortunate to be able to do that. Nice. Awesome. That was so well said. I can't believe that came out so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So since the next question was uh, kind of answered, how, who, who would you say were some of your like biggest inspirations as a writer? Well, definitely, definitely Soupy Sales. Uh, Neil Simon. To be sure, even though I don't write plays, I have one stage show that's running now, but I really don't write plays. But the ability to turn a phrase, to take words that we all use and turn it into a joke of some kind is, I mean, I guess it's its as much of a skill as being a singer or being a dancer. Um, so people who did that successfully, you know, I am a very, very, very big sort of historian on, on old time TV and even listen to a lot of old time radio shows, you know, Jack Benny and all that. Um, of course. Before my time, certainly mm -hmm. before your time. But there are Internet stations that play nothing but old time radio. And I'm I'm sort of addicted to it. Nice. Really nice. Oh. So do you remember what your first wiring project was? My first. Pro I'm sorry. Your first wiring project? My first writing project. Yeah. was a show called Kids Are People Too which was on in 1978. It was on the ABC network. And it was kind of a talk show for kids. It was kind of a tonight show, if you will, that ran on Sunday mornings, uh, hosted by Bob McAllister, who is a name that New York area people of my age or anybody who watched TV in the 70s knows Bob McAllister. He had a show called Wonderama that he hosted for 13 years. He wasn't the first host, but he was the best. And it was games and it was Simon Says and it was guests. I mean, he had everybody from Jerry Lewis to Richard Rogers and Michael Jackson on the show. Wow. Um, Wonderama wow. was a four hour fest of just fun and games. And, you know, kids would park themselves in front of the TV at eight in the morning and it kept them busy till noon on, on Sundays. Um, I grew up wow. watching that and he hosted the first season of Kids Are People Too. And that was my first real job. I had written some advertising. I still do a lot of advertising. Um, you may have seen a commercial. The thing that my kids are most proud of, I wrote a commercial parody of Turn the Beat Around, the disco hit, 
and it became turning the tub around for I can't believe it's not butter. To, it was oh Megan, yes, uh, Megan I remember Mahali that. Yeah, yes. turn the tub because we changed the nutritional value, we changed the fat and the thing. So I wrote the parody, and they shot it all night in the supermarket. And she's you know turn the tub around, talk about nutrition and um, fresh butter taste. Yes, that's here. No hydrated, no hydrogenated oil, so there's no trans fat here. I mean, it practically wrote itself, and. Uh, that's what my kids are most proud of. Despite the, I've got a lot of state awards. I'm, I'm a six-time daytime Emmy loser, but what they're most proud of is turn the tub around. Oh, that is awesome! Oh, that's amazing. Amazing. That is amazing. Yes, it's that it's silly, but so I, I guess my first, <laughs> work, my first work was kids are people too, and some advertising. You know, I've written um, a ton of sales meetings over the years. You you may not know this. There's actually a movie. I'm I'm slipping on the name of it now, but there are there were more in the 60s and 70s and even 80s, but there are industrial shows where they hire major performers, you know, everybody from Broadway and all that, and they sing about products. I used to write those. I wrote musicals for IBM and for Pepsi and all that. So again, creativity, wow. you would never see that, you would never know about it, but it sure sold a lot of whatever product they were trying to sell. So I've, I've dabbled in that over the years um, creatively. I'm gonna hold up a couple of other things. I wrote trading cards. I am the creator and and founder of the Elvis collection. 14 oh, wow. million packs sold. They're trading That's cards wow. at Elvis. There's no gum in there because what would Elvis gum taste like? I don't know. But we also have uh. <laughs> Beatles cards, Barbie fashion play cards, that are there's a beautiful picture of barbie flip this open she has a new hairdo a new skirt oh, 27, wow. oh 27 different fashions on the back is a story about barbie flip it over it has a new beginning a new ending a new middle and i show these at school visits and i say kids you can make them yourself and they do and they send them to me so i love stuff like that um it's awesome. creativity in all different in all different forms nice yeah really nice that's that's yeah. really cool so before working on rosie o'donnell you were a writer for goof troop yes i was do you have a favorite episode from that well i only did a couple of episodes so it's it's one called love struck it's actually you can see uh, it on, yes you can see it on the disney channel now um but i i did that i did a bunch of episodes of um tasmania and, ah, a yes. series, and a series that's worth tracking down if you haven't seen it called Disney's Raw Tunage. And it I've, I've seen a little bit of it, yeah. It was basically Saturday Night Live for kids. Mm -hmm. in, oh, in, the right, sense, yeah. in the sense that a different classic Disney character would host. Scrooge McDuck, he would do an opening monologue. And then there were segments. That's how Bonkers and Supalami got launched. And I did a segment called Totally Tasteless Video. And they were just parodies. Um, I did Doggy Schnauzer, a puppy doctor in a human hospital. Uh, Robin Hoof, a cow who rubs from the rich and gives milk to the poor. Um, game show parodies, a whole bunch of stuff. So animation was great fun. I was living in LA then and working on those. I also, and this is this is something that's such a, a oddly, it was so important when it happened and it's such a distant memory now. But I worked with Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Supermarket Sweep, Family Feud, and other game shows, creating wow. 900 number phone games. Wow. Oh, so my gosh. Bob Gowen, who was the daytime host of Wheel of Fortune, and by the way, is the single funniest man I've ever met or ever worked with. 
Bob Gowen uh, hosted daytime. Hosted daytime. I said that, but he also hosted the phone game, and we were in the studios for hours and hours. And I would write puzzles. So the first puzzle, and it wasn't a scam. You could actually win, and people won a hundred dollars hourly. People would win. Um, you had to get seven right on the phone call, and it was two minutes for the two minute two dollars a minute for the call. But you could actually get a free 800 number to call. So it wasn't a scam. We got millions of calls. And it was like, we're looking for a person. One word, C blank E-R. And you type H on your phone and it would be share. The second puzzle was a little harder. The seventh puzzle for the money was like P blank, 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 L blank, 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 M blank, 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 blank. And it was power lawnmower or something like that. So I did those. We did Jeopardy. Uh, Johnny Gilbert was the uh, who's the silly answer on Jeopardy. I think he's well over ninety. Very nice man. Um, did those? Uh, John Davidson hosted the hundred thousand dollar pyramid game. Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Gilbert and David Ruprecht did the uh, supermarket sweep game. So you know, again, it's creativity where you wouldn't know that somebody's doing that. You know, when I show these things to kids and I say. You know, you open a toy and a piece of paper falls out and it says, thanks for buying this toy. Here's how you play or here's how you put it together. I've written that. You know, you don't think about that, but there's writing everywhere you look. Start to appreciate the words. And I say the the same to you. As I look at your screens, I don't see a single book anywhere in any of your pictures. Get a book. Find (laughs) a book and read it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I actually do do have some of the books above me, like all the fun uh, from the previous guest that we um got like this um wine the Drews, um book called uh, Sippy yes. and Me. Sippy oh wow and, and uh yeah. some, some of the some books I got from Philip Wilchirk, way friend of ours. Amazing, oh nice. Amazing. That's nice. So on your next show you'll and... hold up my books. Is that how this works? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, yeah. I was actually I, I have four cool. kids and we can talk about them for hours, but uh, I was once in the local <laughs> pharmacy, in our small town pharmacy with my son. He was about seven and they had a spinner rack of golden books. And he oh, spun nice. it and he said, hey, dad, can I get a book? And I said, you have a book. And I took him out of the store. And apparently somebody complained to the owner of the store that I was such a mean father for not wanting to buy a second book for my child. And they had to explain, no, the guy may be an idiot, but he's funny. The family has a lot of books. So, uh, but keep reading something. Get a get a book. Get one of my books. Get all of my books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so, how did you all meet? I have to ask that. So, me and Jake knew each other first. We've known each other probably for around like four years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than that, but mo- around four years. And then, uh, yeah, I think J- Jake and Matt knew each other first. Yeah, we yeah, we end of twenty twenty. And then, no, yes, no, that was mid 2020. So that might have been mid 2020. Yeah, 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 I think like maybe towards the end of 2021, maybe is when yeah. me and Matt met. Mm-hmm. And, and then... um, and uh, um, originally, uh, Matt wasn't a co host on the podcast when we first started, but um, mm-hmm. since like the beginning, kind of like the beginning of last year, he yes. uh, yeah. became an official co-host very cool well, I, I love what you do i've seen i've seen several of the shows and uh honored to be here what else can we talk about thank you thank of course you. I mean, this 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 show is really my favorite subject it's just unbelievable oh, oh thank you thank, thank you. you no thank i much. mean me 
By the way, I heard a joke today. I heard a joke today that I am fixated on and I sent it to everybody I know. And now that includes the three of you. The joke is my son asked me to explain the essence of the song Cats in the Cradle. And I said, not now. <laughs> oh, <I get> it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. It's a great joke. That is a perfectly, is a great joke. perfectly constructed joke. Yes. So, yeah. so now we we talked about it a bit earlier, but um, can you talk about how you began writing for the Rosie O'Donnell show? Yeah, sure. Um, there was I we, we had lived in L.A. from uh, eighty nine to ninety two, mm-hmm. where I did the the game shows and the and the um the animation and our daughter was born the night before the Rodney King riots. And we moved right back. We moved right back. We had an apartment in Queens and then moved to Connecticut from there. And I got a call from an agent who I had been working with after we got back, it was probably 1996. So a few years later saying, Hey, you want to come work for uh, the magic Johnson show? I can get you a job on the magic Johnson show. And I said, you know, wow. I don't think the Magic Johnson show is going to last during the flight that I would fly out to L.A. I think the show will be canceled while I'm on the plane. So, no. But if you want to get me some work, Rosie O'Donnell show is perfect. Listen, I grew up on, you know, names that you'll know, but not adore the way I did. Like Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin. Mm -hmm. I was addicted to those shows for the comedy, mostly for the, the comedians who would be on and I said, you want to get me a job? Get me a job on Rosie. It's just like the Mike Douglas show. It's a party every day. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, she said, okay, they're waiting for a submission. And I wrote some song parodies, which Rosie was doing. And at the end of the first season, I got hired and started the first day wow. of the second season and was there for the run of the show. And uh, then she did a show 10 years ago in Chicago for the Oprah Network and uh, joined her for that too. That wasn't as successful as the first syndicated show was, but she remains just a you know a delight and a creative force and someone who I would drop everything to go work for, work with. Oh, that's really nice. That's awesome. That's that's really nice. That's so, what was it like working with Rosie herself? She was terrific. I got to tell you, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but you probably want me to speak out of turn. Um, <laughs> When I got there, there had been there were six writers on the staff and there had been about 15 writers filling those six spots because she hired stand ups who didn't know what it was like to change a diaper. As I said, I have four kids. I very much knew what it was like to change a diaper. Didn't know Broadway. I have sort of an encyclopedic knowledge of Broadway. Um, Didn't know pop culture or TV. And that's really all I know. It's really all I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And. She actually came to me a few weeks in and said, you really know everything I'm saying, you know, or you like studying up every night before we have meetings. And I said, I know everything. And she said, oh, yeah. Who did the commercials for Skittlepool? And I said, Donna, (laughs) and I have Skittlepool in my basement. I'll bring it in tomorrow. And she's like, "Okay, you're good. Well, those six people were replaced by other people, replaced by other people, and ultimately just two of us. I did the show. There was a head writer and just two writers, myself and Casey St. Ange, who is an absolutely brilliant comedic force. And she's now got a podcast and a stage show, actually, I think, with uh, Busy Phillips. Oh, nice. Casey Casey is terrific. Casey is hilarious. We've done books together, actually, too. Um, 
So the two of us kind of handled the show, you know, handled the writing for the show the rest of the way. Between the two of us, we probably wrote 500 song parodies, hundreds of games. You know, Rosie would play an audience game. Um, and it, it was it was a delight. It was like, you know, it was an hour train ride. I'd get on the train at 530 in the morning and show up by seven, having read seven newspapers and having either written the song or the concept for a song or something based on something in the news. And at 10 a.m. that day, it was live on national television. I mean, how much more fun does it get than that? So uh, it was mm -hmm. a joy. And we had 13 weeks a year off. Rosie was very good to the staff. And when she was off, we were off. And uh, I can't think of a single complaint. She was she was so supportive and so creative and so inspiring. And she remains that to this day. Nice. Yeah, the Rosie O'Donnell awesome. show is a very funny show. I've seen some clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. I don't know if you were involved in it, but one uh, of my favorite things to come out of the Rosie O'Donnell show was uh, the episode where she brought her set to uh, Sesame Street. I was there. Oh, nice. nice. I, I was there, and my kids were there, and my daughter, who's now 30, and my son is 27. We have pictures of them in Big Bird's Nest. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. And pictures of them with Elmo. I mean, it was just, you know, oh. we, we we were there. We were the first show allowed on, to tape on the set. And, you know, that, but that speaks to who Rosie is and who Rosie uh, was. And uh, um, Whoopi Goldberg was on that show. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's um, right. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who else. But, you know, Bob McGrath became a friend that oh. week and, and oh. remained a friend. And I would see him because yeah. he was an author too. I would see him at, at, rest his soul. at book things. Um, yeah, may he rest in peace. Kevin Clash, who was Elmo. Yes. Oh, yeah. Amazing. He became a friend, you know. But that was see, that was the, the attraction of Rosie was being able to go places and do things. Yeah. You know, when we went to LA, we shot the show at Universal and all the biggest stars. I mean, there was one in in five years of the Rosie show. We weren't allowed to say, Hey, I'd like to hang out with so and so. I want to be, you know, meet these people. If I had to meet someone to teach them a song. I, we were talking about Barbara Walters the other day because I had to teach her a song yeah. with Rosie. Mm -hmm. But I said, this is all I want. I, in five years, I only want to meet one person and they made it happen. I got to spend a few minutes with Dick Van Dyke. And I think today's, oh my gosh. Oh. I think today's, uh, today's his birthday, come to think of it. I think he's 96. But wow. spending a few oh minutes with Dick gosh. Van Dyke was, was, I can't, you know, like I, I'm not a, I don't go crazy over celebrities. I'm not somebody who, you know, sort of, I mean, they are who I am sort of and who, who all of right. you are. Right. But mm -hmm. meeting, meeting Dick, Dick Van Dyke was a lasting, lasting treasured memory. Uh, I mean, you know, that, that and Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner were on the show and I stood behind uh, yes. staring oh. and kind of drooling because it's like, Oh my God, you know, they are comedy. I mean, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So it was great fun every day. It was like being part of a party every day. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we were sure. talking about Sesame Street, and Elmo has had has made a solo appearances on the show many times. Yeah, many times. Oh, yeah, many, many times. times. And times. and we had to, you know that we would give the audience as gifts because, as you may remember, uh, the audience would go home with with very cool stuff and tickle right. me Elmo yeah. were giveaway at a time where you couldn't find a tick up tickle me Elmo in any store yeah. anywhere. Mm -hmm. And people would call me and say, can I have tickets to the show? And can I have tickets to the show on a day you're giving away tickle me Elmo? It's like, I can't, I really, you know, <laughs> I got two tickets a month. The staff got two tickets a month. Wow. 
Gosh. That's awesome. By the way, I should tell you that my son, Andrew, who I mentioned, who's now uh, be 28 next week, um, he was on the show. Nice. Happy early birthday. Thank you. When he was four, we took him to a wedding and he loved wearing the suit and tie. And from thereafter, I'd say, come on, let's go buy a newspaper or let's go to you know, to a movie or something. He'd put on the suit and tie. The tie the knot was on a zipper and he would zip himself up and put on the suit and tie. Well, I told Rosie about it. And it was a time where it's a long involved story, but someone took her desk from the set. Someone took her desk. They did a game and she said to the person, if you win, you can have anything you want. And she thought they'd say a trip to Florida or, right, yeah. you know, a Vespa or something. Right. Because that's what most the, people would say. Would say. Yeah. And instead, the person mm-hmm. said, I want your desk. And Rosie's like, what, what are you talking about? Should I want that desk? <laughs> and Rosie said, you got it. So for about three weeks, every wow. day she had a different desk. One day it was made out of Legos. One day it was made out of uh, pizza boxes. One day it was made out of ice and it was freezing. So... <laughs> So she said, could your son and his nursery school make me a desk? So they did. They actually shot a desk. And Andrew went on to present the desk to her, if you will. And it was feathers and stickers all over it. And he came on in the suit and he became known as Suit Boy. And he sang Doe a Deer. He got a ton of fan mail. He got an agent who wanted him for commercials. And she gave him some suits and people mailed in suits and tuxedos. Like for wow. four year olds, which we oh gave to charity. How many suits does a four year old really need? Yeah, um, right. But what's funny is, as <clears throat> excuse me, as a college intern, he worked in the Obama White House as oh a as a filmmaker and video maker for Obama, uh, President Obama, and he showed that video, and they put pictures of him with Rosie in the suit and tie at age four years old, all over the back rooms of the White House. So he's famous. He's famous for that. He and my daughter sang um, the dreidel song on one thing he did. Uh-huh. I, I uh-huh. think. So the kids were on frequently. And what's funny is my son, David, now who's 22, uh, is a musical theater performer. Oh, nice. And, awesome. and he, he just worked for John McDaniel. Um, oh, who, wow. Who was uh-huh. our band leader. Because John McDaniel was the musical director and curator of a... Uh, concert series here and david was stage manager um and david works do you know the name seth rudetsky yes yes he's, got a, show, yeah. he's got a show called stars in the house they yes raised a million and a half dollars for what was then the actors fund it's now called the the community fund i think um yeah i've david seen a couple of, uh, i've seen a couple of their uh interviews and reunions david is one of the executive producers of that and actually they did a 21st birthday salute to him Oh. With Audrey oh. McDonald, Audrey McDonald, and Brian Stokes Mitchell, and Kelly O'Hara, and all these stars singing "Happy Birthday" to him. So he's oh, graduating, is- oh, graduating, and you'll have him on eventually because he is a very talented performer and producer. Yes, definitely, would love definitely. to. Definitely, yeah. And yes. I have to mention his twin brother too because he's he's a good kid too, Nathan. Right. <laughs> I have a twin brother, yes. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now throughout your time on the Rosie O'Donnell show, you, of course, got to write a whole ton of parody songs and lots of other miscellaneous funny things for the show. Do you have like any favorite ones you wrote? Yeah, I think it was the first one I wrote. Um, Alec Baldwin was on and both he and Rosie came from Massapequa. So to the tune of Oklahoma, 
They sang Massapequa Exit 40 on the Southern State. I can't sing. You can tell that now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but there was that. And she sang, you know, big time production numbers. Um, as I said, it was hundreds and hundreds of songs. Um, every day was a different topic and a different song. And uh, there was one day where she sang the, dun- the song. Started, she broke into the song Dunkashane, which is a Wayne Newton hit. And 99.999% of the time, she would sing a song and John McDaniel would immediately play that song. He wasn't playing. And she said, John, why aren't you going to accompany me? He said, I don't know that song. I simply never heard that song. And it was the only song in the five years I was there that escaped him. So Casey and I went back to the office. This was the 10 o'clock show on Thursday. And Friday's show was taped on Thursday afternoon. So Rosie could be off on Friday. Mm -hmm. And we went back and between the 11 o'clock end of the first show and the two o'clock show, we did a parody of Dunkashane for Rosie and John to sing. It's like Dunkashane, don't know Dunkashane. Um, and he sings, no lame is phantom and the whiz only trouble is. And he sang all about no, not knowing Dunkashane. And that was <sighs> the magic of it. I mean, to be able to turn something into a next day show was extraordinary. And we did that very well. You know, they call them runners. Um, there was a woman in the audience who said she knows more about the Mary, Mary Tyler Moore show than Rosie does. A woman by the name of Dafina McFadden. She was just a random audience member who happened to be an actress. And Rosie said, I bet you don't. Well, that turned into something. Casey spearheaded this. And it became the Mary Tyler War, hosted by Mary Tyler Moore. And Casey and I wrote wrote questions about the Mary Tyler Moore show. Intricate details. You know, which actress played Murray's daughter, for example. Do any of you know? Who played Murray's daughter on the Mary Tyler Moore show? It was actually no. Helen Hunt. Wow. Oh. Wow. And and we they played a game and Rosie gave her a big prize or whatever. But there was some kind of problem with the scoring or something. And Rosie said, we have to have a rematch. Well, the rematch, and this was the power of the Rosie show. The rematch was on the set of Jeopardy. Oh, my gosh. When we took <laughs> oh, my there, God. We flew Davina out there and Rosie and and Davina had another confrontation. So, I mean, an, an innocent moment blew up into, you know, I think it was in People magazine. It was certainly on page six, how this audience member took on Rosie. So I love that about it. I love that at any moment we could have fodder for next day or next week or or whatever. And it's what people remember most about the show. Nice. So I'm also I'm kind of curious, do you keep in touch with anyone from Rosie O'Donnell's show? Yeah, we all had during the pandemic, we all had a big Zoom, probably 50. Oh, nice. There wow, are awesome. probably five or six people who I'm in touch with quite often. Um, Rosie and I text or or email probably once a month, something like that. Okay. Um, John McDaniel, I saw when David, my son David worked with him. Yeah, there are some very talented people out there. Casey and I are in touch all the time. Um, yeah, it's it's a good group. We had a reunion, actually, uh, well, now six years ago. On the 20th anniversary, Rosie threw a big party in a um, in a club across from the New York Public Library in Manhattan. Oh, and nice. Everybody wow. came back, and it was so good to see see everybody. It's a good, oh, tight-knit awesome. group. That's good, tight-knit group. That's awesome. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. 
So aside from Rosie O'Donnell, you've worked for a number of projects with Nickelodeon. Yes. Um, <laughs> Mark Summers is a very good friend. I worked with him a little bit on Double Dare. Oh, nice. Oh. oh. And um, did a lot of their on-air commercials and, and promo materials over the years. Worked for a show called Whoopi's Little Bird. We mentioned Whoopi before. She oh, was, yes. yes. I remember Whoopi's Little Bird. I wrote, I wrote songs for that. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of, of smaller projects. I was I actually wrote the tour that isn't up anymore, the tour at Universal Studios that was the Nickelodeon Studios tour that told you how they made slime. And it was a lot of the then Nickelodeon stars um, telling you about behind the scenes at Nickelodeon. Nice. So besides writing for TV, you also written a number of books. How did that mm -hmm. you know, began for you? Well, it actually began because um, my daughter, Simone, and I mentioned her before, uh, one night at dinner, she said, Dad, you write all these funny songs for TV. Why don't you write any songs for kids? And I said, I could do that. And that became the book you mentioned in the open, Take Me Out of the Bathtub and Other Silly yes. Songs. It's oh, 14 yes. song parodies, man. illustrated by David Catro, by the way. He is extraordinary. Mm. And uh, I'm proud to say there are literally several million copies of this book in print, including the Scholastic Editions um, that kids can buy in their in their classrooms. Um, the song I'm most known for, I think, is Stinky Stinky Diaper Change to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Yes. Um, <laughs> and this led to eight other Silly Dilly songbooks. There's one about manners. There's one about sports. There's one about potty training. Um, so that led to those songs, which led to um, Oops and another poetry book, uh, led to a recent short story collection called Really Stupid Stories for Really Smart Kids. Um, I've done a couple of books, a few books actually, called Liographies, the absolutely untrue, totally made up, 100% fake life story of Babe Ruth. He was Amelia Earhart. Nothing true in the whole book. It's kind of a Dan Gutman take on yeah. their lives. Mm -hmm. um, you won't learn a thing until the last chapter when it tells you, well, you've read the biography of Babe Ruth. Now here's some real facts about him. Go find out more. Because really, I'm not trying to fool kids, you know. It, right. It, right. It's right. the difference mm -hmm. between saying one plus one is seventeen million four hundred sixty-three thousand and twelve, which is funny. But if I say one plus one is three, that's misleading. So I've had yeah. I've had fun doing those. Um, just did a couple of books with Dylan Dreyer, the meteorologist from the Today Show and one of the Third Hour hosts, huh. called Misty the Cloud. This is the second book. There's a first Misty the Cloud book as well. Oh, awesome. And just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's added up to 50 books for kids. And as I said, I visit schools all around the country, um, extolling the the fun and the virtues of reading. And uh, it's it's been a, you know, a great pleasure to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now this, this may like be a... the best show you've done. This is incredible. I'm having such a good time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, too. We are too. Yes, absolutely. Now this may be a tough question to answer, as you wrote so many. But do you have a favorite book that you've written? You know what? My favorite book is whatever I'm working on at the moment. Um, I'm, right now, I think Got Your Nose is hilarious. I think it's the kind of book that parents and, and kids can read together. Here's a spread. 
when the nose runs away. And one woman on the bench says, look, there's a girl with no nose. And the other woman says, funny, I just saw a nose with no girl. It was a beautiful <laughs> nose. It was a beautiful nose, too. If I could pick any nose, I'd certainly pick that one. So, <laughs> just stupidity. It's oh. just stupidity. I'm actually working on a book now. I actually finished a book now that maybe you can help me with this. Um, I'm sending it to editors who are saying it's the funniest read aloud they, they've ever read. They can't stop laughing. They can't stop admiring it, but they can't buy it because it's predominantly about farts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And they say, yes, there was Walter the Farting Dog. Excuse me. My friend Samantha Berger has a book called The Great Poop Party, in which the boy, uh, the story, it's the story of a boy who doesn't want a soccer-themed party. He doesn't want a dinosaur-themed party. He wants a poop-themed party. And the piñata looks like poop, and the cupcakes look like poop. So she's very successful with that book. I just can't sell this book about farts. So I don't know whether to self-publish. I don't know whether to give up. But I'm getting emails like, in 30 years in this industry, I've never read a funnier book, but I can't buy it. So. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope eventually it gets out there and check it out. I, I think so. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Yes. So now over the years, you've your uh, books have received a lot of wonderful reviews and feedback from some pretty cool uh, people, like some pretty cool, famous people. Is there like someone who you were most shocked about to leave a, you know, positive review on one of your books? Well, I don't know about reviews, but I will say that the children's book community is overwhelmingly supportive of each other and and some incredible people and there's a video um that i could send you i don't think we can show it now but i could send you if you if you want to see it uh or or, or you can or you can just play it so we can hear it well no you'd have to see it um i'll tell you about it though um i got about 20 famous authors and illustrators and also mark summers and also howie mandel Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wow. To, to, I recently awesome. did some some game show development with Howie Mandel and he was kind oh, wow. enough to do it. But it was yeah. it, they've all done that, you know, playing Got Your Nose. And the illustrator Alex Willen is in there. And as I said, Mark Summers, Judine Somerville, who's a Broadway performer, was kind enough to do it. Um and it's just it's been Dan Gutman, who I mentioned uh from the My Weird School books, who's mm-hmm. a, a good friend and a hilarious, hilarious guy, all did it. So I compiled them into two and a half minute video that people are loving and sharing and it's uh, out there. Oh, um, no. So I was fortunate to do that. When Really Stupid Stories and Really Smart Kids and the Liography books came out, it was at the height of the pandemic. I had everybody shoot a video. I did an open where I said, hey, everybody. And I was wearing a mask. Hey, everybody, it's Alan Katz. Some new books just came out. I want to see what my friends think about them. And everybody shot a video of them opening the door and then going, no, get out of here. I don't want you here. Take your books and go. And it was Victoria <laughs> Khan who did Pinkalicious. It was, as I say, Dan Gutman, Peter Larangis, who's an, a wonderful author. Um, so I'm fortunate to be able to compile this kind of video and and have fun doing it. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. 
So you also done a lot of school visits to talk yes. about the ins and outs of reading and writing. What was it like to do those? I it, It's an honor and a privilege. I'm going to Florida next week. Um, oh, all nice. Of, wow. Tri-state area. Uh, I think I've been in 30 different states and schools are kind enough to oh invite me. Gosh. And my message wow. is, you know, writing can be fun. Reading can be fun. I mean, Somebody once said, somebody smarter than me once said, if a kid doesn't like reading, it's because they haven't found the right book yet. And, you know, do I think everybody's a target for a biography? Absolutely not. You know, my wife is a serious Pulitzer nominated journalist. She reads and writes serious poetry. When you read something I've written in the book, oops, in fact, the famous thing, there's a poem in here that turned out to be everybody's favorite. And when I read it to her, she said, are they seriously paying you for that? because that's how ridiculous it is. All right, I'll read that poem. It's called The Lollipop. Listen carefully to my poem called The Lollipop. Lick, 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 stick. I probably have gotten a hundred, literally a hundred emails, letters, cards from kids saying, hey, after your school visit, I wrote my own poem. Oh. It's called the ice cream cone. Here it is. Lick, 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 plop. Because the scoop falls off. Here's <laughs> what it looks like in the book. So oh, if I just wow. walk in, listen, when I do a school visit, I don't say anything different than the teachers and librarians and the parents say. But if hearing it from somebody who writes professionally, who writes for a living, who writes silliness. I'm not saying these books are better than anybody else's. I'm just saying, you know, consider what's out there and have fun, yeah. have fun with reading, have fun with writing. And the most rewarding thing is when a teacher will, or a parent will write to me and say, you know, they go to my website, find my email address and say, you know, my son wouldn't read. My son wouldn't write. Putting a book in his hand was like root canal to him. And somehow after your visit, he won't stop reading. He won't stop writing. I love that. Now they pay me to come. Don't get me wrong. And they buy books, which is great. But the fact that I can walk out of there having, if not changed lives, at least given kids a certain perspective that they might not have had before. Right. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So, so you kind of you talked about it a bit um, a few minutes ago, but one of the most recent books you wrote is a series of funny short stories under the name Really Stupid Stories for Really Smart Kids. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it is exactly what the cover says. They're really stupid stories for really smart kids. Mm -hmm. um, there's a story about the day it snowed snowmen. Where oh, it's no snowman and everybody on the news is saying stay in the house this is dangerous and it's a little bit <laughs> come on they're snowmen and he goes in and he <clears throat> has fun with them i mean the beginning the stupid message at the beginning of the book says it's a good thing you're reading this book because if you don't read this book all the way through to the end your head might fall off which is exactly <laughs> what happened oh my god said no way i'm not going to read that book and then plop his head fell off and rolled into a field where some dogs played soccer with it. The final score was Bulldog 7, <laughs> oh much 5, gosh. a close game. Too bad Vincent didn't really get a chance to see it. When Jessica Phillips ignored this book, her ears turned into antlers. It was all pretty shocking, especially when her family started hanging their coats on Jessica. So it just, <laughs> excuse me, it's just 
a four-page story that says what you're about to read is silly. Get ready to laugh. What I'm happy about is that I hear from parents who say it's 20 short stories. Kids read one a night for 20 nights. They look forward oh. to going to bed with a story. Oh. Um, some kids say they read two a night. Some kids say they've read the whole thing. But if you look at, at a Amazon for reviews, and you can't believe everything, every review that, that's on there. Right. But somebody wrote, um, my, my kid, I'm paraphrasing, but my kid couldn't handle a whole book. But reading funny short stories in small doses is working for them. And I love that. Um, I do have to show you one thing. That if I can awesome. This might be the book that I, when you asked me before, which book I think is the funniest or most proud of. Um, you remember in elementary school, you'd bring home worksheets. That oh, yes. Alan has yeah. two buttons and Jake has two buttons. How many buttons do they have? Right. Yes. Boring yeah. and who cares? So I did, a workbook. <laughs> I did a workbook that takes place at the Hurlbut Stinky Thinking Lab. And Hurlbut, I swear to you, you can look it up, was the name of my kid's school in Western Connecticut, H-U-R-L-B-U-T-T. -T. And it's a book called Stinky Thinking. Oh, wow. And there's also, there's also Stinky Thinking number two. And it's questions like if Jimmy picks two boogers and wipes them on his shirt and picks two boogers and wipes them on his pants and the dry cleaner charges 15 cents to remove a booger, how much does he owe? It's math, but it's stinky. In this book, I play a game called Jeopardy. Jeopardy. <laughs> and, and the questions are like, it's the number of toilets needed if all the Supreme Court justices have to make duty at the same time. Kids going to say, oh my gosh. Kids going to say nine. Did they learn? Yes. Is it stinky? Absolutely. But from, from my money, it doesn't get funnier than this. And kids are going to learn and learn and learn. I've got a picture. See if I can find it quickly. Of my twins, Nathan and David. Here they are. It's all the kids in the Bolingbrats Nursery School. And they all have diaper rash. You have to find the twins. Now, it's the same thing as one uh, of those where you have to match. Yeah. Uh -huh. But you have to find Nathan and David based on their matching diaper rash. It's learning, it's logic, in some cases it's science, but it's stinky. Wow, that is genius. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talking about turning it into thinking. a podcast, uh, hoping to turn it into a podcast. Um, but there's two books that, you know, they're now out of print. And kids write to me all the time saying, where's stinky thinking number three? I said, I wish there were. So, you know, that's a... Uh, or it's gonna be stinky thinking, you know, number one hundred or something. Like that. About it, and the first book was illustrated, by the way, by Lori Keller. Oh, nice. Who you may oh. know from Only the Donut. She is an extraordinary illustrator, and uh, and a good friend. So fun stuff, you know. It's all I get, I get a chance to be silly, and the silly helps kids read, help kids learn, helps kids laugh. I'm working on two joke yeah. books now, and they're just flat out joke books. Oh, that's nice. It's that really terrific. Absolutely terrific. Yes. So going back on the TV side of things, you've also written for the PBS Kids series Pinkalicious and Peterific. Mm -hmm. Terrific show, by the way. It's a thank yes. you. It's a fun show. As I mentioned before, Victoria uh Can is a good friend, and she brought me on and I did a couple of episodes and uh love doing it. Love doing it. And uh good fun. 
you know, it's just another form of creative expression. One of the things I do in the school visit is I show the first 30 seconds of one of the episodes I wrote. Oh, and wow. after I show that, ah, after I show that, wow. I say, now that's an 11 minute episode. I'm only going to show you 30 seconds. Why did I show it to you? I show it and then I show the script from that page. And I say, this is exactly what you just watched in script form. It's typed. It came from here. It went to my computer and then it became a script. I say, before you mm. plop on the couch, two years before, there's a cartoon on your television. Somebody had to write it. Somebody had to record it. The voices have to be recorded. The animators have to do their work. The musicians have to do their work. So think about those words. Think about what goes into the process. The cartoon doesn't just show up when you hit the remote control. So kids go, mm. oh, I get that. And, you know, it's just another another aspect of what I do. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. It is, and again, like Matt said, it is a really great show. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think they've now done four or five seasons. It's been it's been very successful. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Wow. Very I do successful. have to tell you, by the yeah. way, I mentioned it a little bit before, but I turned the nine Silly Dilly songbooks into a musical called The Silly Dilly Musical that my son, oh, wow. David, wow. My son David has ah, been one cool. of the stars. We've done about 40 performances here in New York, and we're talking about taking it elsewhere. And it's just some silly dilly good fun. It's, it's about 30 different songs sung as a message of inclusion everybody gets a chance to to participate everybody should be kind to each other um you know kindness is something i preach by the way in the school visits too because it's really really easy to make a joke that hurts somebody's feelings and i say it is Mm -hmm. never okay to make a joke at anybody else's expense i don't care if it's the funniest joke ever if a thousand people are going to laugh but one person feels hurt because you made fun of their glasses or what they brought for lunch or how they hold a pencil it's not okay and the teachers nod like bobblehead dolls because they say that's all we're preaching to is kindness. So, you know, I know plenty of jokes that make fun of people, but I don't like telling them. In fact, Rosie, on the Grammy Awards, Rosie said, I want a joke about Cher. And we didn't want to write nasty. I didn't want to write nasty jokes for Cher, uh, about Cher. But I wrote a joke that got a lot of attention. It was Rosie from the stage of the Grammys pointing to Cher and saying, there's Cher. She's so old these days. She calls everybody Sunny. Wow! <laughs> Gosh! Oh. Wow! Good huh. joke because you know old people call people Sunny, and she was yeah you know. yeah. So you know, humor humor can have kindness in it, and if everybody Definitely. can't laugh, mm-hmm. I don't want to tell it. That's that's a really heartfelt thing that I just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what else we got? Yeah. So. So we've talked a lot about your work in the past, but mm-hmm. can you share any projects you are working on now? Well, I mentioned two joke books. I mentioned the fart book. Um, mm-hmm. I continue to do advertising. I write speeches for network executives, funny speeches. Um, a lot of the stuff goes unheralded. You'd never know I wrote it, but that's okay. Got a lot of school visits coming up. Um, I have a, awesome. book, a Halloween book coming out next year and a Passover book coming out the year after. Awesome. Um, there are some early readers that I helped um, Dylan Dreyer do based on Misty the Cloud. Mm-hmm. One will mm-hmm. be out in May and one will be out next year. Um, so just ongoing, you know, creative creativity. I did these a couple of years ago, by the way, as a Halloween stock, uh, a Christmas stocking stuffer that just came off a really weird idea. 
and a very talented uh, illustrator who's done a lot of Nickelodeon work, Joey Album, A-H-L-B-U-N. Oh, yes. A uh, very good friend and, and a tremendous creative force. Nice. We're and actually we, trying to get him on our podcast, too. Oh, well, mention my name. Yeah, he, of course. He, Absolutely. He's a superstar. Yeah. But he designed these. I had the idea. You know, you can buy every kind of plant seed. But these were what I call dog seeds. Oh. You can grow a French bulldog and you can grow a poodle. Will you actually get a dog? Can't say. But um, in, on the back is things like, it sounds preposterous, but it's not. Asking a chicken to give you a haircut would be preposterous. Uh, growing your own dog from seeds is suspect, questionable, and somewhat implausible. If you get a dog and you don't like the dog, I'll give you your money back. But I sold these online. And uh, there's tomato seeds inside. There's no, there's obviously no such thing as dog seeds. But um, <laughs> they were popular uh, three Christmases ago. And I've still got a closet full. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow. That's great. Nice. Very silly. You didn't realize the, the stupidity that my career has entailed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, man. So as a writer and an author, what challenges would you say you faced during your career? Well, I, it, it's funny. I don't know that I face challenges because I've always said to people, my rule, especially writing corporate speeches, especially writing self-promotion is as far as I'm concerned, and I say this with no conceit, there's always more humor where that came from. Don't like that joke? I'll come up with another joke. But there are people who just don't get the humor. I mean, I've been blessed, really blessed to work with some editors who get the jokes, who want the jokes, who want to turn them into books. But there are people out there who don't get the jokes. And, you know, I've, I've worked with one editor who I write a manuscript and has taken out the setups and leaves the punchlines. That's a challenge because that makes no sense. You know, if I if 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 it says to get to the other side, and I you took out why did the chicken cross the road, it's no longer a joke. So um, the construct of jokes relies on. In fact, in a in a Pinkalicious episode, they at the beginning of the episode, Pinkalicious and her brother are working. Uh, at dad's workbench, dad is an inventor, and they're working at the at the workbench to make a robot. They want a robot that'll clean up their rooms and everything. And she says to Peter, hand me that doodad. And when dad walks in, Peter says, what is this doodad doodad? Hmm. Which is a great line. And the, the network said, excuse <coughs> me, PBS said, can you call him father? And I said, well, what is this doodad do father isn't is no longer a joke right yeah they said, mm -hmm. we'll make it daddy and i said what is this do dad do daddy is better but it's not a joke so they i said i'll take it out so i took out the joke and i replaced it with something else mm. right before the show debuted they ran promotional spots for it mm -hmm. and it said coming up monday on pinkalicious and there was the shot and peter yeah. says what is this do dad do dad they left it in. They put it back in. Wow. <laughs> that, 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 was an odd, that was an odd, wasn't a debate because as I said, I changed it. I put in something else. Um, I wrote for a show called Crow that was also a PBS production, but it was on ABC. Huh. Nice. 25, 30 years ago. 
And it was about a cave boy who lived in a valley. And it was the story of his adventures. And at one point I had him stuck in a ravine and there was no way out. And it looked really bad for him mm-hmm. until his friends, the birds came and picked him up by the loincloth and flew him to safety. And the scientists at PBS said, nope, can't do that. Because no matter how many birds there are, they can't work together to lift a kid. So you have to change it. And I said, so scientifically, they can't lift the kid. But his best friend is a talking mammoth. And they said, oh, yeah, the mammoth talks. Where's the logic in that? There's no logic in having a talking mammoth and yet fighting. But you know what? It doesn't become a challenge. It becomes doesn't become an obstacle it becomes a challenge right. to be solved um like i say there's always more jokes i wrote something this week for for a corporate uh thing where they said we like jokes one three five and seven but we need six more so i crossed out all the other numbers that i didn't just mention and i wrote some more jokes that that's what people do you know it's this it's the same thing as if you hire an electrician and when you flip the switch the light doesn't work you say you can't leave me with the light not working, you have to fix it. And they go of course, back in. Yeah. That's what writers <laughs> yeah. do. That's yeah. what writers do. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, not that I don't do this and yell and scream and curse. I don't curse. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like it's like everybody is different. And, yeah, exactly. you know, that's, that's why the people who are laughing at my fart book aren't buying it because they say, I don't think we can represent farts to America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. So, so what is the piece of advice, what's the best piece of advice you receive from anyone? Could it be from you know writing or anything in general? Um I guess it's sort of keep at it. You know, I, I have a lot of author friends and one group in particular we get together about once a month. In fact, I'm seeing them Sunday. And, you know, we remind each other, like there are very few books that I sold. Oh, I guess I didn't really answer the question before I could interrupt myself. After my daughter said, write some silly dilly songs or what became silly dilly songs. I wrote a letter to Simon and Schuster saying, I have this idea for books and I'm a writer for the Rosie show. Why did I send it to Simon and Schuster? Cause they were across the street from the Rosie studio at NBC. And I thought, well, that'll be convenient. I can just go across the street when I have a book thing to do. <laughs> they bought yeah, it, yeah. but buying a book from a first time author on a cold solicitation excuse me almost never happens wow so there are times where i've written books and people say yes let's do that um there are times where the 23rd editor who saw it bought it there are books that did not sell that may not sell um the passover book that i wrote didn't sell for three years until an editor who i'm working with said hey you got anything for passover i sent it to him and with some creative adjustments to it because editors uh, here's a word on behalf of editors it isn't the writer alone the editor has the creative sensibility a good editor has the creative sensibility to help shape the story mm-hmm. to help make it more marketable to yeah. work with the illustrators you know you look at a book like this and you say he's a fantastic illustrator david Catro. but would this illustrator have been good for this book i don't think so and vice versa so editors are really, really attuned to what the book should look like, what the book should read like. Um, and I'm very beholden and very appreciative of editors, of illustrators, of everybody at the publishers 
who help bring the book together. There are art design, art directors. There are people, you know, it's not just me sitting here going, oh, this will be funny. It has to take shape and it has to be something that's that's marketable. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So now kind of turning the tables, what piece of advice would you give to anyone who wants to get into writing for TV and for books? I would say don't because I've got it covered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get a job at a bowling alley or so. No, listen. <laughs> listen, I, I say this to people all the time. You know, so everywhere I go, every school visit, a teacher says, I'm working on a book, but I haven't done it. I really should get it out. I read it to my kids. I love it. And I always say, if you're not sending it out, you're turning it down yourself. You know, will they buy it? Will you have a bestseller? I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know your work. But but don't hesitate to send it out. Show your work to people. I say it to kids, too. Be proud of what you do. Don't write it and stick it in a draw. Mm-hmm. Share it with people. Now, yeah. you know, there are only so many spots on the bestseller list. There are only so many spots on the bookshelves in the in the bookstore or in the library. But give it a shot. You know, I don't do anything different than any of you could do. Well, maybe not all of you now that I get to know you a little bit. I'm kidding. That's a, yeah. <laughs> um, it's all in good fun. All in good fun. And I exactly. didn't say which one of you. No. Um, <laughs> but you know what? If you have an idea for something, do it. Now, <clears throat> that's true yeah. with books. I wouldn't say that with movies. I wouldn't say that with TV shows. It's much harder to sell a movie, much harder to tell, sell a TV show. Oh, yes. But it's mm-hmm. a lot easier than it was years ago because you can become a YouTube star. I mean, six or seven years ago, you couldn't have had this show. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, honestly, that is true. Um, you know, my wife is a, as I mentioned, a Pulitzer nominated journalist. She has her own streaming show where she interviews people from our studio in, in our dining room. And she's interviewing international important people because she can, because you can put that show up. So the opportunities are on the plus side, the opportunities are way more out there on the negative side. And you probably know this to be true. Because everybody can do it. Everybody is doing it. So Mm -hmm. there's a little little more competition in the media than there was. But a good book is a good book. A good TV show idea is a good TV show idea. A good film is a good film. And things are getting getting made. So, So, you know, my advice is if you have an idea for something, do it. Send it out. Show it to people. Yes. Great advice. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Absolutely. So are there any words you would like to say to the fans and supporters of your work over the years? Well, just thanks for reading along, laughing along, singing along. I mean, you know, I, I can't tell you now that, that Take Me Out of the Bathtub will turn 22 in, in May. It could actually oh, my turn- God. Wow. No, I know. But what? But as I, I saw on Facebook just just the other day, somebody wrote about it, was kind enough to say, I grew up on this book and I'm now reading the book to my kids. Because if you think about it, a seven-year-old is now 29 who might have a four-year-old kid or whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And the the yeah. affection for this book and for some of my other books is, is extraordinary. You know, there are a lot of book festivals that have mm-hmm. authors come and you sell your books and you meet, I don't mean meet the public like it's a celebrity thing, but it's a, it's a, a day of a book festival for a day. And so many people come up and say, 
I love that book. I know the songs by heart. We wore out our copy. We bought a second copy. We give it as gifts. That means the world to me. It really does. So, you know, I'm getting that more and more over the years. Um, I will say that I did a, po a book called Karate Pig, which is a pig who chops things in half. And as he said, oh, wow. as, as he chops things in half, you slide and the book chops in half. And there are pieces flying and everything. And the review, there's, there's a publication called Kirkus, which is like the variety of, of books. And they reviewed it. And where it said recommended for ages two to six or three to eight or whatever, it said recommended for nobody. And that, that kind of hurt. Um, there are reviews that hurt. But in general, I'm writing in good fun, and I hope people take it in good fun. I'm not saying go buy these books. I'm saying go to the library, read the books, read, 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 laugh, 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 and then go and read some books that are serious and take you on great adventures or tell you about animals or planets or whatever. I'm not saying that to all of you. I'm saying it to, <laughs> to, the, to the kids of America. Um, you know, there, there are kids who read something funny and then go on to read more serious things. But yeah, right. there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with laughing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I don't know why. It'd be like so cool if like if somehow could happen where your books, you know, be a part of you know scholastic, you know, book fairs or something like that. Well, <laughs> yeah, so the cool. bathtub was very popular in the book fairs. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So wow. was oops. So was oops, the poetry book. Um, yeah. I'd say five or six of them. I did a series called Ricky Vargas, the funniest kid in the world. The three stories in each book illustrated by a man named Stacy Curtis, who's awesome. Um, and those books were very popular in book fairs and book clubs. And uh, they do great. They bring they bring bring books to kids in classrooms who may not be able to, you know, it's it's a big investment to go spend yeah. oh yeah. To go spend $13 on this book or $14. So when Scholastic right. does what they do, they're doing a service and, you know, and and authors appreciate it illustrators appreciate it nice yeah. Yeah. absolutely absolutely yeah I, 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 we remember going to book fairs a lot mm -hmm. yeah which was yeah. great oh, yes. times so yeah. a lot of wonderful memories yeah. they do good work and 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 the unsung heroes of the book fairs are the parents and the teachers and librarians who bring in all the books and run the book festivals at schools mm -hmm. bring yeah. us yeah. plastic book fairs because even though a lot of it is turnkey. They come in shelves and, you know, it's already set up. It takes a lot of effort. And and I salute the parents and the teachers and principals and everybody who bring those in. And uh, Scholastic, you know, they did a good job even during the pandemic bringing, bringing material to kids. Yeah. We have really run the gamut, huh? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> say so. Yeah. So, so if people want to come, contact you where can people find you well alan cat's books at aol.com would be the way to go i know you're going to laugh when we when we sign off because i'm still on aol but my email address is in a lot of my books so i've kept that as my email address a-l-a-n-k-a-t-z you know how to spell books at aol.com <laughs> and um and anybody who wants to write i'll write back anybody who wants me to visit their schools let's talk about it um i'm here awesome nice nice we'll be in the description down below yes for again for everyone uh listening or watching yes links to um alan's website and everything will be in the description below so you can connect with him and check out his wonderful work
Well, thank yeah. you. I mean, if anybody wants me to send them a signed book plate, if they if they get a book and they want me to sign it and personalize it, I'll drop it in the mail. That's an exclusive offer only for your show. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, so thank I you, do, thank you. I do that for anybody. I send signed book plates awesome. to strangers. They don't they don't even know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. So since since we're about to wrap up, so the last question we always ask this. Uh, not uh, the last question for all of our guests. So, of course, this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. When you think of nostalgia, what do you think of or how would you, like in your own words, define the word nostalgia? Wow, that's interesting. Um, you know, because I grew up, because I'm older than probably three of you combined, um, I grew up yeah. with black and white television. And some of the joys, I read a constant constantly reading books, biographies of TV people and filmmakers and comics. I just read a book about a new book about Don Rickles. And anytime oh, I'm reading nice. a new book about uh, by Paul Newman that he wrote many years before his death, because writing it after his death wouldn't have made sense. Um, yeah. But he almost eight or 10 times every time I'm reading the book, like the Don Rickles book, they'll talk about a pilot that he made, a black and white pilot that he made in the 60s and i say i never knew that that sends me right to youtube to watch that pilot mm -hmm. so you know mm -hmm. thank god for things like youtube that people have uploaded things that make me nostalgic but also allow me to access things that i wouldn't have seen you know i grew up on so many comics who are no longer living but i can go somebody mentions their name i had lunch with, a, with an author friend yesterday he mentioned somebody's name i went and watched a clip of her last night that's you know to me nostalgia used to be memories but those memories yes. are alive and relivable yeah. right now yeah uh, exactly so i love that i even watch old soupy sales shows i showed them to my kids they're like well, why is that funny we don't get that but i lived for that afternoon show every every day over my shoulder you can see there's a ventriloquist dummy there mm. oh, yeah. he yeah. is 60 i've had him since i was four and i used to do shows every day uh during lunch hour if the kids cleaned up they got to see oh. me do a show because i grew up watching paul winchell who's a name you he actually invented an artificial heart too he yes was. that's yeah. right yes he did and and did. i lived for the for the soupy sales going <clears throat> and then chuck mccann then you know these new york shows and and i think paul winchell was na national but I lived for those things. And the fact that they're not just long distance memories that I can talk about, but you can go to YouTube and see those things or go to other sites and see them or some of the people you're bringing onto your show mm -hmm. reunite. So nostalgia isn't what it used to be. It, it, it isn't faded memories anymore. It's it's what I loved and it's still here, which is great. Yes, definitely. Great words. Absolutely. And, and so, so well said on my part. That's really, I'm very, very impressed with this interview. <laughs> Thank you. I'm at me. Good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And you mentioned keeping nostalgia alive. That's the point of this podcast. We always say at the beginning and the end, you know, keep nostalgia alive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Very cool that you Which do that. All about. I, yes. I, I appreciate that. There's, there's so many, so many things that deserve to be seen so many even you know broadway shows there are clips that people shot that they probably shouldn't have or they shot during a rehearsal that to get a chance to see things that you never saw live the first time 
to get a chance to experience, you know, the original, I'm going to date myself, but Fiddler on the Roof with Zero Mostel. Um, right. 1964. Mm-hmm. But there he is, you know, Bette Midler. Oh, yeah. In the original cast of yeah. Fiddler on the Roof playing one of Tevye's daughters. To mm-hmm. see a clip of her makes yeah. a Bette Midler fan say, oh, my gosh, that clip is almost 60 years old. Almost 60 years old, but there's Bette Midler. So I love stuff like that. I just love, you know, so to me, that's what nostalgia is. But happily, thanks to you and thanks to, to everybody who uploads stuff, hopefully legally, um, it's it's still alive. And, and you know, that stuff won't won't die the way it did. You know, when I was a kid, if you missed a show, you missed, you missed it. it. Yeah, you yeah. missed it. Yeah, you missed it. Now, I mean, I, I always say this because my, my father, unfortunately, died in 1981. But I always say to my kids, if you know, we huge New York Mets fans. And if I, I say to them, if if my father could have seen you watching the Mets game in color on a phone while the car is moving, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to watching on a black and white TV with the antennas where I had to stand there and adjust to try to get reception that wasn't rolling or fuzzy. I mean, obviously, again, I'm dating myself, but the strides that have been made in technology and and everything the fact that you can say to me, you know, gee, I never saw, I don't know, Soupy Sales. And then I can recommend a clip and send you a clip. And suddenly you're watching what I watched when I was six or seven or eight. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. I can't thank you all enough. What a pleasure. I hope this was what you had in mind. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you again, guys. Yes, of yes. course. Thank you're you. Welcome. You're welcome. Be well. Take good care. Yes, yes. Thank you. take you care, too. Alan. Enjoy the Have rest of your day. Rest of day. Right. Take yes. care. Bye. 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 Well, everybody, that brings another episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show to a close. I've absolutely enjoyed our time with Alan Katz. And, yes. you know, as always, more fun interviews yes. coming, well, for the rest of time. I guess <laughs> we hope. We hope. Yeah. Yeah, me too. We hope. Uh, but yes, more fun <laughs> interviews coming out. Um, yeah. And, you know, as always, until next time, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye, Every everybody. Enjoy this episode. Bye. See you next time. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>